Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. Drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Alvey's going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzie Alvey. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for an inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on TalkingChop.com, where I have been the deputy site manager for the better part of three seasons now and the minor league editor for the better part of six seasons now. Joining me on this fine Monday afternoon, it's kind of weird actually recording on an afternoon when there's like daylight and all that stuff outside. Uh, we're going to do a kind of a quick episode for scheduling reasons, but we I did want to make sure that we got an episode out for you guys, and I was very fortunate to have the great Gaurav Vidak be able to join me this afternoon. Gaurav, how are you, my man? What's going on, Eric? Doing doing wonderful. Uh, got a f- another full week of minor league baseball to talk about. Just really exciting to have this back. Have this built into my schedule. Excited to talk. Absolutely. You actually have been traveling. You uh, you went uh, you you had a nice little vacation of sorts uh, recently. Uh, how did how that end up going? Yes, sir. I spent six days over in uh, Puerto Rico, and it was absolutely just stunning. Got a chance to go to the uh, the rainforest there. Went out to the bioluminescent bay and got to swim. Uh, it was an incredible experience. I got to see, you know, baseball culture really, really ingrained there. I drove by a few stadiums as well. I'm pretty sure I drove by the stadium that uh, the Puerto Rican national team plays in, and just seeing how kind of like, kind of how almost how old that stadium is and you watch you know you you look at footage from there and how incredible that crowd is it makes you kind of feel bad about complaining about stuff here Uh, I know um, I play a victim of that I I kind of get mad when food at Truist isn't exactly what I want but then I see what those fans do out there and it kind of helps put things in perspective so uh, it was it was an awesome experience and for anyone that is looking for some some time away I highly recommend Puerto Rico Absolutely, all those, especially like those World Baseball Classic crowds, uh, those those are like unbelievable. And I'm like, I, I wish that you know, games were like that here. I mean, like they certainly can be pretty rowdy here, but it's not it's not it's not really the same thing. And they love their players, and it's just because it's really kind of refreshing to kind of see how baseball has been embraced, and really how kind of like you know like the celebratory aspect of baseball is embraced abroad. So you know, again, definitely really cool. I'm glad you got to have the experience and got to enjoy some time away. Um, 
Now, normally this is to be the part where we would be talking about all the, the big minor league baseball transactions in terms of promotions and things like that. We don't have a ton to talk about here, uh, but Gruff, I do want to ask you, because uh, it just came across the wire today that Tucker Davidson, who's looked quite good for Gwinnett this year, uh, is getting the call to replace one Jesse Biddle, who has been very not for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, kind of, What are you expecting from Tucker, and do you, do you like his chances during this call-up anyway? You know, what's the biggest thing that Tucker had going for him right now and the obvious reason why he was uh, recalled, well, one, outside of Biddle throwing 13 straight balls, which was just something to watch. I watched all 13, and that was just really, really tough. But what Tucker has done so far this year has taken a huge step up in his command, and that's uh, a sub-two walk rate, albeit it is 1.99 per nine. But uh, that's exactly what you want. I assume, you know, the Braves have struggled mightily. The, the Atlanta team has struggled with, with arms and Tucker gives them, uh, gives them an opportunity for a spot start should they need to. He can come out of the bullpen and pick up some innings. You know, Tomlin was the person, was the long man, uh, was supposed to be the long man for this entire season, but you know, he's been put in several high leverage situations and, it just hasn't gone well, so it gives no, not at all. it gives the Braves yeah not at all it gives it gives the Braves a lot of flexibility uh, to use him because again he can be used as a spot starter he can be used as long relief. I would be interested to see him completely unleashed in short stints and maybe in that relief role and see exactly what he can do see if he can sit up in that high nineties with his fastball and you know his entire arsenal he's got a bunch of pitches so I would like to see him uh, go out there. It remains to be seen if he will truly get the opportunity. You know, he's got that one opportunity so far in, in the in the big leagues, and it didn't go too well. So I'd love to see him out, get out there, kind of get that out of his mind and show he belongs in Atlanta long term. Absolutely. Uh, it's worth noting that he hasn't pitched since May 12th, so he could pitch real significant innings. If, for example, if, you know, Freed ends up having to leave a game early or, you know, any time during the series, if like a guy gets driven out in the, you know, second inning for whatever reason, whether it be injury or just, you know, getting knocked around, you know, Tucker has that amount of rest where he can go and throw a bunch of innings. And I don't think anyone would be particularly excited about having Josh Tomlin have to throw that many innings. Uh, and uh, given what's been happening with him over like the last couple weeks or so, this hasn't really been this has not been effective, period. So, you know, again, really looking forward to seeing Tucker Davidson getting an opportunity in Atlanta. I, we do think highly of him, and we want him just wishing him nothing but the best. But, again, it's a little early beyond that to see a lot of movement within the levels in terms of promotions and things like that. Maybe in a couple weeks I could see some moves start to happen. It's a little bit weird because of the delay in the minor league season. Cause like right around this time is when we would start thinking that maybe we could start seeing some promotions usually, but obviously that's when a season normally starts like in April, as opposed to starting late, like it did. So, uh, but we did want to make note of that one promotion because that's certainly a, a very noteworthy one. Uh, a guy that we've uh, been following for a long time now in Tucker and again, wish him nothing but the best. So now we're going to kind of go through just, and this is going to be, again, kind of just catching everyone up on what's going on in the minor leagues. Uh, been a really interesting week down in the minor leagues, for sure. Uh, it seems like in the lower levels, they're really having to kind of, like, find ways to give innings to a lot of starter-ish type arms. So it's been kind of trying to figure out exactly what roles these guys are playing uh, long-term. It's been a little bit weird. But it's, you know, again, really interesting week. A lot, a lot of strong performances up and down the entirety of the system. Not just kind of the high-profile guys, but some guys that, you know, we not either weren't really on our radar or, you know, were lower on the list. And now it seems like they're kind of coming into their own. So, Gaurav, talk to me a few about some guys from Gwinnett that have caught your eye. 
So obviously when you talk with that, you, you think about the possible implication it is for Atlanta, for the Atlanta team itself. And with the Atlanta team struggling so hard in the bullpen, I think it's really important to look at some possible arms that can be kind of used, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a way in Atlanta, not necessarily for the long term, because these aren't, you know, the, the prolific arms that you want associated with a great bullpen. But obviously you would need those stop, uh, stop gaps while, AA kind of does this thing. And uh, the first uh, kind of arm I want to talk about is Dylan Lee. Uh, he came from the Marlins. He was, you know, 2018 kind of dubbed, like, for them at the time, one of their next promising power relievers. Uh, he's got a low to mid-90s fastball. He's got a decent low 80s changeup, so there's tons of separation between the two pitches. I haven't gotten to watch him too much, so I haven't seen the curveball. But he also has a curveball that's supposed to be okay in the in the high 70s so he covers a lot of territory on that radar gun but so far this year he's only he's only made three appearances but his last two last week he's he threw four innings of three hit ball with zero walks and five strikeouts he's got 12 he's, he's coming in at a 12k per nine rate right now he hasn't walked a single hitter he's got a sub zero uh, he's got a sub one whip and a, and a zero era you know he's definitely someone that is intriguing to look at possibly in the bullpen for Atlanta, but so far for Gwinnett has been fantastic. I uh, I would be remiss not to bring up Orlando Arcia, especially you see a <laughs> lot of, a lot of chatter. <laughs> yeah, basically you see a lot of chatter on Twitter, and a lot of people are getting a little fed up with Dansby. Not fed up, but you know discouraged about his performance at the plate, and it's. It's been well documented. I think I've been one of his harshest critics, and it's been a little surprising to me to see the fan base talk about him the way they are this year. But Orlando was brought in to give us some flexibility off the bench. He's a, he was once a very promising prospect that just never got to hit. The Braves changed a little with his swing, and so far he's off to a pretty amazing start. He's got a 1.204 OPS over his last two uh, seven games. He's got seven homers on the season. He's doing extremely well. Uh, again, you don't know what kind of ball the AAA, that AAA is using right now. Is it the ball from last year? Is that what's contributing to it? Like, who knows? Uh, but right now he's showing pretty good promise for, uh, you know, a – 40-man 40 40 roster candidate. It's, he's doing extremely well. Another person that's doing well is Travis Demerit, the old the old Braves prospect that a lot of people thought uh, back old in the friend, Old friend, old friend. Yeah, that would uh, kind of replace Ozzy, which was uh, in, never going to be the case. But Travis has done quite well himself. He's got an outstanding 1.563 OPS over his last seven games. He's got a homer and four doubles over that span. He's hitting the absolute cover off the ball, 353, 463, with an 853 slugging percentage. He's done well. Uh, Again, you know what you get with Travis. When he swings, he generates just tons of backspin, and that ball pops off his bat. Uh. Yeah, he had his cup of cup of coffee in the majors with Detroit and did not do well. Uh, you kind of take what he's doing with a grain of salt. Is he more of uh, just a straight quad A player? Could he produce off the bench for Atlanta and be an intriguing power bat with a lot of versatility in the field? You know, that remains to be seen. But those are the three main players you kind of want to highlight because they're doing extremely well. Of course, the fourth uh, would have to be Drew Waters, who struggled a lot. Uh He's walking on a decent clip at nearly 10% walk, but then the Ks are still there at 31%. Uh, 
Uh, got 750 OPS over his last seven, but he's not really hitting the ball for power at all this year so far with a 306 slugging. But again, super small sample. A lot of it has to do with, you know, possibly Ender rehabbing down there and just giving him reps there and letting Drew kind of take his time to work his, you know, work his strength back up. And he's got the rest of the season in Gwinnett as well. So those are four of the other players I've kind of highlighted for Gwinnett. I'd love to see what uh, I'd love to see what you have to say, Eric, on those guys and a couple others. Yeah, it's been uh, an interesting situation in Gwinnett, right? Because on the one hand, I agree with what your notes on Drew Waters is that you know, like the strikeouts have still been there, particularly earlier in the season when he kind of before he kind of like you know missed a little time, time slash you know gave Ender some playing time, but. I liked what I saw over the weekend. He was drawing walks, uh, drew, you know, reach base multiple times on Saturday and then on, and then yesterday drew a pair of walks, you know, still had his strikeout. But again, these aren't, you know, those, he's going to strike out a little bit. I'm just going to go ahead and <laughs> disavow anyone thinking that he's just going to be a guy who has like a, a 15% strikeout, a K rate or something like that. Cause it's just not going to happen, but he's getting on base, getting on base at a good clip when he's getting on base, you know, again, he's, you know, stealing bases here and there too. I I'm not worried about drew waters ability to hit for power. I just, I'm not, I think that, you know, once he kind of get finds his groove at the plate, that he's going to be a guy that drives the ball fairly consistently and with authority. Uh, he's just had a kind of a weird start to his season, you know, like kind of a, a delayed start this spring. And then he had like had to take time off kind of in the middle of the first week of the season uh, for whatever reason, whether it's just a combination of the rehab and maybe he was dealing with some injury stuff. Uh, I am confident in his ability to impact the ball. That's not really the concern. It's just whether not the hit tool plays. And he, again, results may vary, but hit, has hit safely in three of his past four. Maybe he's starting to kind of like get kind of really starting to refine his approach at the plate to see if he can actually make a, an impact on the ball. Uh, what is fascinating to me is that for as many as many people who are talking about Orlando Arcia as like this kind of savior of the of the Atlanta Braves and can replace Dansby no problem. Like he doesn't even have the highest OPS on his own team in Gwinnett. That that honor goes to Demerit. He's like, and I think that people need to understand what's going on in Gwinnett because like Johan Camargo has a 12.59 OPS right now in Gwinnett. Now it's only in seven games. And the, the usual small, small small sample size warnings absolutely apply, but you know you don't you look at Johan Camargo's line you're not you're not like wow he's really figured things out he's turned things around. There's definitely some weird stuff happening down that way. The one thing I will say about Arcia, uh, because I think you nailed all the names that really kind of need to be highlighted with that, with, with the exception of maybe Tucker Davidson, but obviously we talked about him at the top because he got promoted, is that the thing that kind of stood out to me is that. A lot of these guys who are, like, having good years down in Gwinnett right now, they're still striking out a good bit. I mean, like, Travis Demerit has, like, 15 strikeouts and, like, 42 plate appearances, right? But Arcia's only struck out five times. Now, some of that makes you wonder a little bit how much of, how much Babbitt luck he's been having. But the seven home runs have been real, and he's, they're, they're, they haven't been cheapies down there. So I'm curious as to kind of how he progresses. And I think that he's a guy that the Braves should at least consider putting on their bench. Um, I'm not saying that you, you know, you yank him and you start him full time over Dansby, like a lot of people seem to be kind of suggesting, just because they kind of look at that home run total and they're like, wow, imagine if he was in the major leagues, the Braves would be scoring 10 runs a game, because I don't, I don't think that's the case, but I do think that he's a guy that, you know, for, you know, amongst your infield options, could fill in in some spots and kind of give some guys some spells while also being a guy who can have a positive impact, you know, when, in like a pinch hitting role 
or, you know, just kind of off the bench just doing something. Because, again, guys who can back up your shortstop position are kind of hard to come by. And with Adrianza having to kind of play every day now as the Braves' leadoff hitter, which is, frankly, I would have lost a lot of money if I was betting on that happening this year. RC is a guy they should at least look at having on the having on the major league roster now. After that, you know, reasonable people can disagree. I think that you know, just yanking Dansby for a bad a bad stretch here, and then thinking that RC is going to be the savior just because he is a name that people recognize that the Braves traded for. I'm not so on board on that, but he, that they should at least be considered putting him on the major on the major league bench. Um, and another guy who's having a nice little season, and he's had to play a lot more with the promotion of. William Contreras and kind of having to shuffle, shuffle things around is Ryan Castile, who's another guy who's having a really good season. You know, OPS healthily over 1100 uh, through the, the first couple weeks of the season. Really has again performed really well for himself. I'm hopeful that we start to see an emergence from guys like Drew Waters and maybe seeing some of these these veteran type guys like you know Philip Irvin starting to get a little bit better, Yomer Sanchez and things like that. But right now, that's actually been kind of, frankly, the kind of the worst hitters on the team. So we shall see. But that's been kind of the story with Gwinnett is that there's these prospects who, you know, Kyle Muller's certainly been struggling. Um, you know, Tucker's been doing his thing. But the, we haven't really seen kind of those breakout performances other than Arcia at Gwinnett yet. And we'll kind of see how that unfolds as the season goes on because it's been such a weird year down in AAA with that ball. It really does seem to be jumping off the bat of some people's bats. But with others, it's just not. So I'm not really sure what to really attribute that to. Um, let's head to Mississippi before we head to a break. This Mississippi team has had a weird, weird year, Gaurav. And, you know, the guys who I thought were going to be performing and hitting really well really, really haven't. And, you know, the guys who I think we were going to – I was worried we were going to struggle have actually been performing pretty well. So talk to me about your guys in Mississippi. Yeah, there's it's, it's kind of tough to talk about. Um they had a small little breakout game yesterday, which which makes some numbers look nice. But a lot of the players that you want to see really perform this year because it is a crucial year, they just aren't. Uh, the biggest one for me would have to be C.J. Alexander. I was super high on him when, when we drafted him because he's super intriguing, tons of tools. Uh, he had a two-home run game yesterday, which is great, but he's still off to a really tough start hitting 167-211. And a, with a 417 slugging percentage, uh, he's just not making contact and striking out quite a, quite a bit. Uh, really need him to take that next step if he wants to stay as a legitimate prospect. But right now it's, it's tough, you know, between the injuries the last couple of years and just poor performance. He, he see, he can, you can see his stock kind of sliding. Uh, Braden uh, Shoemake, who was all the buzz coming into this year based on how he came into spring training, looking great, added some weight. Hey. Has been terrible. <laughs> There's no other way to put it, really, right? Uh, I, he's got a 4.43 OPS over his last seven, and that's an improvement. Uh, he's hitting 0.94. He's got a on-base percentage of 194, and he's slugging just 188. He's not looked good. Uh, and this is the man that a lot of people were like, oh, okay, maybe he's going to supplant Dansby, and we let Dansby walk next year. Well, that's not looking too good at all right now. Uh, he is... He does have 650 OPS versus left-handed pitching, so maybe that I, I like. I don't know. There's that's that's not still not too, that good. <laughs> it's not. There's not. I can't say anything good about him right now, and that, that really does suck because again, there was all this talk about him come spring training. Um, but both of those two have struggled mightily. Uh, one of the most intriguing arms in the in the system itself has got to be Victor Vodnik, who showed up in spring training and was super dynamic with that fastball. Uh, he's still sitting 
uh, mid to high 90s, you know, 96, 97 with that fastball. Uh, his changeup is coming in at 88 to 90. He's striking out everybody, and he is well below the average age for double A. You know, he's got a 16.0K per nine. But as you would imagine with someone so young and someone that is, like, hasn't been pitching too long, he's struggling with his command with an almost 7.5 uh, walk per nine rate. But you like what you see from him. It seems like he runs out of gas pretty soon, and I think it's pretty safe to say all of us kind of th- profile him more of as a reliever, and who knows what he can be as a reliever that thing could be. He could be absolutely filthy, and I would love to see the Braves transition him to a reliever, but I understand the, the hesitancy to do so. You want them to stay as starting prospects for as long as they can, but uh, just the idea of Victor coming out that bullpen even this year in Atlanta is super intriguing to me. And then, you know, where would we be – uh, we, we have to talk about Justin Dean, who is, if he can hit, he becomes this very, very intriguing prospect because that's plus defense out in the field. He's got insane speed. Uh, if he can hit and he's hitting with power right now too, uh, with a 945 OPS over, over his last seven, uh, seven days, uh, and he's hitting the ball against, or he's hitting, against right-handed uh, pitching right now with an 878 OPS. Like, again, I know we, we the group chat has been talking about Justin a lot today in particular because, again, he becomes one of the most intriguing outfield prospects that the Braves have if he can hit. Uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on Justin. I know we, we talked a lot about him today. So, like, uh, if you could provide better insight, I'd love to hear what you think about Justin as well. So here's what to like about Justin Dean is that you have no problems projecting him as a center fielder and he has that speed tool, which is like, can be a carrying tool. Like when in doubt, he will, we know that that man can run. Now, what's fascinating to me is you're kind of comparing him to right now you compare him to, you know, his, his outfield, his outfielder, uh, compadre down there in, uh, Trey Harris. Now, I made the joke to Trey during the Mississippi Media Day is that, that there needs to be a competition between Justin and Trey over, you know, the amount of stolen bases that Justin Dean has versus the number of extra base hits that Trey Harris has. So far, Trey Harris has zero extra base hits this year, which is really bizarre to me, whereas Justin has firmly four, but somehow Trey Harris has more stolen bases than Justin Dean this year, which blows my mind in a number of ways. Now, these two guys, no, none. Uh, but these guys, one, the, the one thing that this team does do well is draw walks. They, like, everyone top to bottom, uh, Shane Langlier's kind of leading the, leading the charge there, uh, who's looked really good by here. He's has a hell, uh, OPS well over a thousand. He's been the best hitter on the team. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. I like what Justin does out of the, the leadoff spot and drawing as many walks as he has. And, but they really haven't, been, he either has been deciding not to run as much or he, you know, they're kind of not, maybe kind of putting the brakes on him a little bit, trying not to, have him just run all the time because if you give him the opportunity, that man absolutely will. But I mean, Langlier's you know, like he's put up he's put up power numbers. He's looked good at the plate. They teams don't seem particularly interested in pitching to him. Uh, and you know, defensively, he's been what everyone thought that Shea was going to be, which is that he controls the running game. Uh, still kind of getting used to that knee in the dirt catching, which we've kind of been has been kind of a hot topic regarding you know the really the league wide adoption of that to kind of keep guys fresh while also you know helping with framing, but at the expense potentially of, you know, his defensive acumen, but it doesn't seem to be impacting Shea too much. 
Uh, you know, I want to echo your thoughts on CJ Alexander. He has three home runs this year, but that accounts for half the hits he has all year long. Uh, and Grayson Janista has been better than I honestly thought he was going to be, has been impacting the ball with some regularity. You know, obviously, you know, you wish he was kind of just getting more hits just in general, but again, drawing walks. I, I honestly thought that he was kind of a non, like a non thing anymore. And he's looked much better than I thought he was going to be. So, uh, and again, the notes on Braden, uh, he's been impossible. I will say about Vodnik, I watched that Vodnik start. We saw some pretty interesting umpiring in that game. And while I, I do think that he kind of gassed a little bit after those first three innings, he should have been out of that inning a couple times, but some, the, the umpire on both sides of the ball, like I saw multiple pitches down the middle, uh, one to Trey Harris in particular, oddly enough, that, very much should have been called a strike and was not. So I wonder if there's a little bit of, you know, some more pitches were thrown than needed to uh, because of kind of some of the umpiring decisions that were being made in that game. But that, that fastball looks so good and like guys just can't pick it up. You know, if he can just, you know, continue just to kind of refine his command and kind of battle through what is some suspect umpiring at times. Uh, I like Vodnik. I like that they're continuing to let him start. You let him pitch his way out of it. Um, and you know, if you end up him as a reliever, that's a kid that, you know, he was throwing like 96, 97 in that start. And if you just kind of had him in like one inning stints, like that's triple digits, no problem. He could reach back and do it. I still kind of project him as a reliever at this point, I think, but I like that the Braves are giving him a chance there at starter. Uh, and when he got assigned to double A, I was just assuming that he was just going to be there as a reliever. But again, with a arm that live, give him a chance to start. If he can't make it, so be it. But that there are far worse things in the world than having a live arm as good as that one, you know, in your bullpen as opposed to in the starting rotation. But, you know, give give a guy like that a chance. Um, before we go on to Rome and uh, Roman Augusta, and then before we send you guys off, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, Garoff. We are back. And we are to talk about, I think, is the most interesting team 
in the Braves system, and that is the High A Rome Braves, who I'm going to be uh, at least going to see one game this week uh, to watch some of these guys get some eyes on, you know, Franklin Harris and all these other guys. But I never know what to make of this team on a night-to-night basis because it, if sometimes it feels like that they're like getting completely outclassed, and then like all of a sudden they just have a beginning and then everything's fine again. So uh, talk to me a little bit about the guys who have really caught your eye down at Rome this last week or so. Yeah, I like you said. There's it's a really really intriguing team. Of course, you can't talk about an intriguing Rome team without talking, you know, about the the incredibly special team they put together a few years ago. But there are some really interesting arms on that team, and I would, of course, like to talk about Ricky Devito. Uh, unfortunately, his last start there was no TV, so you couldn't really see. Uh, but Another four innings pitched. Uh, he did give up two two runs, but zero walks again, four strikeouts. Opponents are hitting 206 against him. He's got a 1.00 whip, uh, 10K per nine, two walks per nine. These are very, very awesome numbers. Will he stay a starter? Again, I'm not 100% sure right now. His fastball splitter combo is elite. That splitter is really, really good. If he's able to hone in and really develop that third pitch, of course, the Braves are going to try and keep him as a, as a starting prospect, just like we were talking about uh, over in Mississippi. They're going to try and keep him as a starting prospect uh, as long as they can, but right now he is very intriguing as a power reliever. Um, Indigo Diaz, another very interesting reliever. This guy just throws pure straight gas. I was watching him and he just overpowered hitters. I don't know how much longer he's going to be in, in high a Rome. Uh, there's, right, there's no, he's a college arm doing that to these yeah. LA guys. There's no way they get, they get it's, like, it's, it's unfair. Uh, just last week, two innings pitch, zero hit, zero runs, zero earned runs, zero walks, three strikeouts. Opponents are hitting 0.050 against him. He's got a 0.63 whip. A 1.42 ER because he gave up one run in another outing. 18.5K per nine. Uh, one outing where he gave up walks, so his walk rate's a little inflated at 4.3 walks per nine. But he just – he knows he's going to attack you. He just throws straight heaters, and no one's be able to hit him. So it's going to be interesting once he gets up uh, – you know, once he gets proponent to Mississippi to kind of see if he can – stay on this trajectory, but man, he's fun to watch right now. Uh, another player that's, you know, it's the road to Atlanta. So we got to talk about Michael Harris. Uh, yeah, it's the Michael Harris out. show. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> broke out again, broke out, quote unquote, broke out. He's been breaking out this entire year, but yesterday with a four for four performance, including his first home run, he's got nine hits over his past five games. He's got a 1.266 OPS. Josh Norris of, uh, Baseball America was was raving about him yesterday. Everyone's raving about him. He's starting to put it. Of course, I the only negative thing I think I've ever said about him was the first couple of games of the season where he was hitting the ball straight into the ground and trying almost too much to go the opposite way. I don't know if that was something the Braves wanted to, him to work on, if that's something he wanted to work on, but the man can just flat out play baseball enjoy him. I don't know how long he's going to be in minor league baseball. Of course, still super young. So there's, there's years of, of development that are in front of him, but like he is a special talent. Uh, another one, there's so many players on this Rome team that I could talk about uh, and I want to talk about, but to keep it, you know, kind of short, you know, I, I need to echo on Bryce ball once again, uh, still not hitting too well. He's got a 188 batting average, but the walk rate is still elite. He's got a 400 on-base percentage. When he's making contact, he's hitting the ball hard. Um, 
but he's not making contact too often. Over the last seven games, he's got a 1.128 OPS with a two-home run game last night, but then four of those games, he was held hitless. So, again, like, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to struggle to hit the ball, and you love his eye at the, you love his uh, discipline at the plate by 400 on base percentage while hitting 188. Like, that's absurd. That's absolutely absurd. Uh, but like we talked about in that last episode, I don't know what position he plays, so he's going to have to hit if he wants to make, if he wants to make the majors, he, he just has to hit because his path right now is designated hitter. He's not doing it, so that's something to watch. Uh, I still think he's way too talented not to hit, um, but just things to, to look out for. And, of course, lastly, I really want to touch on Trey Riley, who I was super high on, struggle with injuries, shut down, all that. Right now, 2.31 batting average against. Uh, the walk rate is a lot better than you, ex- than you think uh, or you almost expect from him, which is – very, very promising. He's sitting at 2.6 walks per nine. If he's able to maintain that while gaining, while regaining his feet, I mean, that's a, that's a special arm. That's a super intriguing arm that the Braves are going to have, uh, to, to play around with and kind of see what his future holds. Absolutely. Uh, the one thing I do wish I would see more from Michael Harris is just kind of just drawing a few more walks. Uh, he certainly is kind of a guy who's like trying to put the ball in play and trying to do damage that way. But I think that teams are going to start kind of not throwing him as many strikes as they have been. Uh, and for a guy in his first full, full, full season of pro ball, which is an easy thing to forget with Mike is that, you know, he got put in Rome like really late during his draft year as a high school draftee, which is insane to do uh, as a low a guy. And the, this is his first time he's actually kind of gotten a full season of pro ball and he's they put straight to high a. So like a, a little bit of struggles in some aspects of his game, isn't that weird of a thing to have happen, but I do wish I'd like to see some more, uh, some Tim taking some more walks and maybe trying to do some damage with his legs. He's looked good in the outfield too. Uh, I don't think teams have any interest in throwing Bryce ball like, strikes in any meaningful amount of way he had a really bad game the same michael harris had a really bad game too the same on the same day like they seemed like they were getting blown away by the same the same guy but other than that it just doesn't seem like teams have much interest in trying to give bryce ball something to hit uh, and that's a very with good reason he's you know a giant man that is with a good eye and good feel at the plate he's liable to park the ball 480 feet away if you do that but again kind of explains some of the kind of the early season struggles with kind of you know, with regarding his average, he's kind of seems like he's forcing things a little bit at times. He wants to be impacting the games more as opposed to just drawing walks. But, you know, the walk rate's still been really good. Uh, Riley Delgado's look really good. I frankly am surprised that he's tied for the league, lead, the, the team lead in home runs. Uh, not a guy that I would have been p- pegging for that to happen. Uh, but here we are. Uh, and Jesse Franklin has looked better over the, over the last week or so. Again, it's not, you know, he, he isn't like tearing the cover off off the ball or anything, but he's making plays with his legs. He's looked good in the outfield and the, the, the bat is coming around more. So he's kind of a guy that we had our kind of circled as kind of a potential, a potential guy uh, at the plate. I want to see him kind of impacting the ball a little bit better. Um, beyond that, you mean like Cody Milgan, I, I, I don't want to forget about him because it seems like he kind of gets lost in the shovel sometimes. Uh, nearly a 900 OPS so far on the season has been really, really good playing second for Rome. Is he a prospect? I'm a little bit skeptical about that, but you know it's kind of hard to annoy when you ignore a guy who's hitting 345 and has been hitting for some power, making some plays with his legs, and has been kind of helping kind of keep that offense running in some key spots. Uh, sadly, Sean Michelle has kind of uh, 
turned a little bit back into a pumpkin, unfortunately. Had a really good first week to the season, and I don't know if he's recorded many hits at all since we ha- we said those nice things about him. Uh, so, again, worth kind of keeping an eye on. Ultimately, though, you know, this is a really interesting Rome team. Uh, also worth mentioning is that Jared Schuster had his start skipped this past week, which kind of makes us wonder a little bit that some of the things we were hearing coming into the season that he had been maybe dealing with an injury um, maybe this spring and into the alt, alt site um, last season made made his debut and looked reasonably good in it. The, the changeup looked really good, but then has a, st- a start skip makes you wonder a little bit as to whether or not that there's something going on with him, or at the very least his innings are being extremely limited because of something else going on. Worth monitoring. We didn't get to see him pitch this past week. We'll see if that's something that kind of holds true later on. Um, now Augusta. This is a weird team to talk about because I have, like, there's so many guys that are just undrafted free agents. There's no idea of, like, they're, if these are just filler guys or guys that we should get excited about. But there's definitely some names that we recognize on this roster. So, Rob, like, who are the guys that you want to talk about a little bit? Yeah, they, they have some interesting arms as well. The hitters, it's kind of highlighted by Vaughn Grissom. Um, and I want to say everyone else is kind of a, a tear down, but – uh, Vaughn had a, a had a great week. He had a thousand OPS over his last seven games. He's uh, striking out at eleven point eight eleven point eight percent of the time. Fantastic, super young, um, but he's also walking at a sub three percent walk rate. Uh, but again, this is a player that I think all of us agreed upon at the beginning of the season that we could see him skyrocket uh, in, in the organization. He's shown his ability to two hit despite being so young. He's got 310 batting average, uh, 364 on base. He's not hitting for much power. He's still pounding the ball into the ground and that can be seen by his 345 slugging percentage, but still off to a fantastic start. This is a very, very, this is a stud. I, I really, really like him a lot. Um, and then we talk about the arms, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to like, uh, just on my spreadsheet alone, we got five players all with K rates over 10. Uh, first off, we got to talk about Spencer Strider. He made his debut. <laughs> and, that was, that was such dude, a scary, like, like those guys had no chance whatsoever against him. He, I don't know how many stars he's going to get in Augusta, maybe one more and he's going to be out while he builds up his, his, uh, kind of his, get his legs underneath his feet. It's been so long since he's pitched since the Tommy John, all that, but three innings pitched, zero hits, zero earned runs, zero walks and seven strikeouts. Absolutely. Should have been a third start. Should have absolutely should have been a totally got squeezed. Uh, our, our very own Garrett has an amazing article up on him uh, on talking shop released today, or I guess released, released today as of recording, uh, yeah. 37, 37 pitches, 27 strikes, 34 of those 37 pitches were fastballs, 57% whiff rate on that. Just he's the fastball's too good for the level. He's not going to be there much longer, but definitely after you listen to this podcast, make sure you go back and read the article by Garrett. He did a great job. Uh, I know he talked to you as well, Eric, about his, his kind of over overhauled mechanics, a little, a little worrisome, but again, like, you can't complain about what he did. Um, hey, if if that fastball is in a bullpen, I have no problems whatsoever. That's, None. That's yeah, that's high nineties all the time. At any rate, like that's just absurd. Uh, another arm that you know, not necessarily of that tier, but has thrown extremely well is Darius Vines. 
He's got a 156 batting average against him. Uh, still has yet to give up a run, a 10K per nine, three walks per nine. He's got a solid fastball. I think he can add some velocity onto it. He's got a good curveball, and he's got a decent changeup. Uh, I did see him throw it a couple times uh, in his last appearance, and it did look pretty solid, but again, it's, it's flashing. Uh, it's, it's flashing well. Uh, for me right now, I see more of a reliever, but uh, super athletic. I'd love to see him add a little more velocity to his fastball, but uh, last week alone, again, five innings pitched, two hits, one walk, six strikeouts, and zero earned runs. So off to a fantastic start. I, I don't know how much longer he's going to be in Augusta as well. This is another arm that the Braves could kind of – for me, I, I spoke to Garrett about him earlier today, and I have him kind of a fringe top 30 especially if he can develop that changeup because that curveball, what I saw was, was great, uh, but he might profile more as a, as a reliever itself. And then, of course, like, we got to – it's great watching or talking to Garrett about him, but Rottery uh, wasn't the great greatest showcase for him, especially after that first appearance. Uh, but he struggled. He struggled a lot, but still went five innings, seven hits with four strikeouts. Uh, he's got a 242 batting average against 11 K per nine, two walks per nine. His, his command was pretty spotty, but he did showcase a pretty solid slider to go along with his fastball. If he's able to really work on his fastball command and is able to throw that for consistent strikes where he wants to with that slider, that's a special arm that honestly I hadn't heard of before this year. And he could slot in very, very well. Uh, in a bullpen role, you know, later on uh, in, a, in a couple of years. But just another one of the super intriguing arms that Augusta has, and that didn't, I didn't even get the opportunity to talk about Tyler Owens and Joey Estes that both had really solid uh, outings last week as well. Yeah, I, those are actually the two guys that I sort of keyed, keyed in on, especially this past weekend. Um, Joey Estes, like, you know, that first start was striking out guys, but also, you know, the command was pretty spotty. Uh, you, you not making it out of the third inning again, as these guys in the lower levels, you're going to see a lot of these guys not throwing very much. So, and it's best to not draw too many conclusions about that, because I think that's just kind of getting a lot of guys, some innings combined with actually stretching guys out. Uh, but that stretching out seems to be happening on the field. It doesn't seem to be something that's happened much in spring at least, but you know, after, you know, that first start where again, doesn't make it out of the third inning, but you know, only gave up a run and, you know, walked three guys against six strikeouts. You know, you take six strikeouts and the guys, you know, eight outs that he recorded. So that's definitely great. But this past start pitched into the fifth inning, gave up, a, gave up a run, gave up a couple hits, three strikeouts, no walks. seems like he kind of, you know, is there's going to be a learning curve with Joey, but the stuff is live, and you know, I he's he's not an easy guy to square up. I am curious as to kind of how he can kind of refine his command this season, because that's going to be an important part as to whether or not he's going to be able to pitch enough innings to kind of qualify as a starter. Now, this, this a guy, the quality of the arms enough to be you know a successful reliever, but I think that kind of that being efficient and not getting into these long at bats where a lot of guys fouling off and things like that. You know, not giving up free passes and not hitting guys, things like that. Those are the things that are going to kind of be important for him going forward uh, to kind of establish himself as a starting pitching prospect. Uh, you know, and Tyler Owens, you know, had has had two really good starts, sandwiched that sandwich uh, a particularly rough one that he had on the ninth where he gave up four runs uh, in you know less than in less than two innings of work. 
I, again, he is an arm that I'm keeping an eye on. And one thing I don't worry about him is being efficient. He's not a guy that really walks guys too much, uh, at least historically. Now, the, the, the bad start that he had, really nothing went, the, the, the appearance that he had on the ninth wasn't a start. And maybe that is as simple as that he's not used to appearing in games that he's not starting. And this is going to be something to kind of monitor for Rottery is a good example here, is that Rottery didn't start that game that he made an appearance in, and we were excited to see him pitch. And he wasn't as good as the first start. Maybe it's just as simple as that he's not used to being a reliever. He's not being used in that capacity. And guys sometimes do struggle in that role. Now, some guys, you you could bring him in the seventh inning. You can have him start a game. It doesn't matter. They're the same guy every time. But for a lot of guys, you know, if, you know, if they're normally relievers and they have to start, it throws them off. Uh, you know, Corbin Klaus told me once is that when he was having, you know, kind of being an opener for Gwinnett, that it really kind of threw him off and it was, you know, he was kind of hoping he didn't have to do it again. And it's not because he, you know, doesn't want to help the team. It's just that his routine is such that he's used to just being a reliever and kind of being in certain situations and not having to kind of go through like pregame warmups. And the opposite can be true too. It's like a lot of that kind of that pregame routine is really good for guys to kind of get warmed up and be in their own heads. Uh, whereas, and then you could put him, put him in a reliever role. It doesn't really work out the same way. So it's not as simple as just throw him in to another situation and he'll be just as good because it's not often not the case. So again, like what I saw, Tyler, four strikeouts in three innings. Curious as to kind of how quickly these guys are going to get stretched out and, you know, how promotions are going to be happening. Cause like the lower levels that some of that's going to have to happen pretty soon because they just don't have enough innings for these starters to give all these guys like, and get them fully stretched out over the course of the season. And maybe that means that they don't really ever stretch guys out that much this year because of the kind of the layoff. They want to make sure they're really kind of careful with these guys. We shall see. But it's uh, been a kind of a fascinating roster down there in Augusta. I do want to give a quick shout out to the Stephen Paolini who had been frankly dreadful at the plate for Augusta. Uh, leading off, he had been drawing walks, but like just couldn't get a hit to save his life. Uh, had a good game the other, uh, yesterday, I believe. Uh, went three for five. Was happy to kind of see him, you know, kind of have a have kind of an offensive standout performance to get get going again because the physical tools there as a center, I think he sticks in center field. He's he can run. He has some power. Uh, maybe not as much as I was kind of hoping, but he at least can drive. He does he can drive the ball. He's a guy that is a raw, raw, raw prospect. Is kind of like a rural Connecticut sort of you know pitching high school pro- prospect that they grabbed. Uh, Earlier in the draft, and I would say that most people thought he was going to go, and it might not be something that he moves particularly fast. Maybe he gets kind of the Freddie Tarnock treatment where it kind of takes him a while to kind of move up in levels and kind of find his way. But with that kid's kind of physical tools and the ability to play defensively, uh, definitely worth kind of investing some time in that sort of project. And with that, that's pretty much it, guys. Uh, Grab, is there anything else you want to share with folks before we let him go? Oh, man, if you have the opportunity and you're on Twitter, make sure to stop by Backstrom, uh, Braves Prospects, uh, uh, Maki Backstrom's Twitter page. He uh, put out a video of him hitting an absolute tank shot. You know, this for me, he's probably the, the Braves' top first base prospect, but has a lot of work ahead. Not, not necessarily a lot of work ahead of him, but it's still super young. Uh, Braves were able to get him out of his commitment to Fresno State, which is a great first base college and so there's a lot of promise with him but he hit an absolute tank shot over an extended spring training 480 feet 110 miles per hour they have made some significant changes to his to his swing and it is there's like hardly any movement before the pitch he's got a tiny little toe tap and the amount of uh, um 
exit, uh, well, exit velocity, but uh, bat speed that this kid has is outrageous. Seriously, go go find him on Twitter. Go take a look at that video. It is something to watch. Yeah, those moves from extended spring, there's going to be some interesting because we know that Freddie Tarnock at some point is going to be uh, getting done with his rehab and he'll be making his debut. And there's, I mean, some of these guys in extended, they're going to have to find some playing time for. And a lot of these undrafted free agent types that are, are currently occupied Augusta, uh, Augusta, and then these kind of these long-term guys that have basically lived in Rome for the better part of a, f- a few years, they're going to have to find some space and some playing time for some of these guys because there's some real prospects down there in extended spring that we even have a chance to see or even talk about yet. Jared Johnson, you know, Makai Backstrom. You know, Freddie, et cetera, et cetera. There are guys down there that are going to be interesting to talk about and are going to get their chance. It's just going to be kind of curious as to how they handle promotions. And, you know, ultimately these minority transactions, when they go, hey, it's not really working out, you know, we're going to have to move on and move on to give some other guys some opportunities. Uh, and I expect it to be happening probably starting in a couple weeks. There's, you know, they have to, again, make some decisions relatively quickly to get guys playing time this season, even with the delay. So um, maybe in the next couple of weeks we're going to have some new names to talk about. Uh, each week we're going to – Garrett seems to be pretty committed to highlighting a different a different low-level or, uh, I guess, undersung prospect uh, kind of on each Monday to you know, put, a, put an article out to talk a little bit about deep dives on the, on the guys that – you know, it's not the Drew Waters, Christian Pache's. You know, those types of guys, we're not going to be talking about those guys in these pieces. These are going to be kind of guys that are like new to us this year in terms of getting real live looks at them. And we're going to be committed to doing that. We really appreciate all the support both on the podcast. If you want to make sure, if you want to follow along on the podcast and never miss an episode, first go to at road, the number two Atlanta on Twitter. You'll never miss an episode because all the updates are posted there. And the easiest way to never miss an episode is just to subscribe to the Talking Shop podcast feed. Not only do you get this podcast, which we'll be posting every like late on Monday and then the article post will go on Tuesday morning. Uh, but you also get the flagship Talking Shop podcast, which I am a regular co-host on, but it's run by the great Brad Roland, where we talk about Major League Baseball as well. So you get two two podcasts for the low, low price of free uh, doing doing so. And again, we really appreciate all the support for the site, too. We've been really happy to get back into the swing of things in terms of writing recaps and getting back into the swing of minor league baseball. Baseball has felt very weird without it. And I, I think I can speak for Grav and really all the entire staff is that, you know, it feels really nice to have that recap schedule that rotation back in place and kind of gets us back into watching minor league baseball. And with all these guys that we haven't seen in so long, we're getting to watch it with, you know, with fresh eyes and just a lot of new toys to look at. So it's been a lot of fun. We really appreciate all the support. Make sure that you continue to do so and tell your friends about the podcast, tell your friends about the site. And until next time, we'll see you on the road.